Hey, good morning, Courtney. Hi, Tamara. How are you? I'm good. How are you today? Wonderful. It's always great to see you here. I know you're a busy lady. Oh, it's always okay. nice to have you here and have your content. You share such such great great things. Well, thank you. I know it's been kind of a crazy couple weeks, so. Glad yeah, well, it's back. like the nature of our of our lives. It seems like it seems like it's getting crazier and crazier all the time. And I don't know what's going out on out there in the world. It's like a lot of layoffs and crazy stuff. It has been crazy, <clears throat> but I'm so glad you made it today for sure. Thanks. Good morning, Chad. Hi, Chad. Hello. Today we kick off our new book we're going to be reviewing, this Multipliers. It's a great book, and I think it's got some great content that we'll all be able to listen to and, and learn from. So you guys pick the right time to start. Awesome. Coming back here. So We'll start in just a few minutes. Oh, Chad, your picture just changed. I love that. Good morning. That's adorable. I love it. Good morning, Sheila. I know you're just listening, so I'll leave you down there in the listening lounge. According to the, the, the app update notes, this is a new little toy we have. Oh, I love it. Is it now, did you click on something here in Clubhouse to get I, that? I held my my finger over my, my head. I pushed in and held Oh! And it said, do you want to use a GIF? Oh, my gosh. Look at that. I love it. Well, isn't that cool? <laughs> Thanks for sharing, Chad. Yeah, that's awesome. Just tried it just now for the first time. It's uh, they're always adding features on this app. Not all of them are useful. Yeah, you know. I know. I I need to probably get up to speed on it a little bit more. But you know, I don't spend too much time messing around in here. I, I I'd like to share that. I like to get my share out there of the clubhouse. I sent the content out. Encourage you guys to do the same. But uh, beyond that. I haven't played with it too much. So thanks for sharing that little 
cool thing. <clears throat> Good morning, Melissa. Morning, Kelly. Hi, Tamara. Good morning, everyone. Okay, well, we're just about ready to get going, and we've got some great content today, Kelly. Yeah, I'm excited. I haven't, um, we'll talk about it more, I won't repeat myself multiple times, but I haven't read the this book, Multipliers and Diminishers, before. Um, I guess it's called Multipliers, but... Um, but Tamara's raved about it many times to me and referenced concepts in it many times. So I'm super excited to be going through all the content in this series. We'll be spending some time with this one because it's just a great content for us to unpack, you know, week over week. And I know we're getting into the summer months here and many people will be taking vacations and taking breaks and whatnot. So um, we may have a couple break weeks in here as we're doing our own vacations as well. But I'm glad y'all are spending some time with us to, to talk about this great content. Yeah, it's about time to get going as well. So, um, you know, one of the things I just want to comment, you know, on what you just said, Kelly, too, is that we're always looking for and and please share if you have resources, some of the more, you know, non-traditional or or unique or, you know, cutting edge leadership topics, you know, we'll bring back some of the more foundational and some of the common things that, you know, that that are just part of, of leadership in general. But if you hear about, you know, new concepts or anything that, you know, would be really great for people to learn from, let us know because we always want to bring really new thoughts and new ideas and new approaches that uh, that we can all learn from. So with that, on that note, let's go ahead and get started. Um, so welcome fellow leaders to the Learning to Lead Clubhouse. We meet every Saturday morning at 930 to 1030 Pacific Standard Time. And I'm Tamara White, and I'm here with Kelly White, and we're your hosts. And this is a clubhouse that we created as a forum to talk about everything in leadership, uh, the challenges, the achievements, and everything in between. And in addition, it's a forum to learn and hone your leadership skills, either by investing in yourself or others in the room. Uh, we always have leaders from all levels and industries here that bring a broad diversity of experience and perspective. And whether you're an entry level or a seasoned leader, this is a forum where you can learn and support each other on your leadership journey. <clears throat> so there's a few things. Um, welcome to those on the stage and those in the listening lounge. Um, we would really love to encourage you to follow our Learning to Lead Clubhouse. You can click on the greenhouse icon at the top. And also follow others in the room to grow your network and connect with like-minded leaders. Um, if you would... would uh, like to share the room with others that you know on Clubhouse, you can just click at the bottom share button and you can share that just broadly. It'll go out to everyone who's following you. <clears throat> and then there's a couple ways you can communicate with us. There's a chat feature at the bottom um, or via DM, Instagram. And also we have a Substack website where we uh, have our, a lot of our content about our discussions and we also record these discussions so that if you miss one or you like the content that you hear and you want to listen to it again at any time, you can go on the Substack website and you can take advantage of that. We also encourage you to subscribe to the Substack website. We're, we're continuing to expand and, and uh, look at different ways to add tools and different aspects uh, onto the Substack website as well. So thank you for being here on your Saturday morning, and I'm going to yield the mic over to Kel Kelly. 
Thanks, Tamara. Um, yeah, I think we, again, we have a lot of content to get through and I'll give a shout out. I think last week, um, we, we had, you know, uh, an individual come on Prava, you know, who's in to say, to share her leadership journey. And, um, we're going to be likely doing more of those. And so if anybody here wants to share their leadership journey and be a part of a discussion that kind of, you know, reflects back on some of the lessons learned, great resources, things that you've done and your perspective on leadership, we more than welcome you to be a part of that. And maybe reaching out to some of you as well, too to ask you to be a part of that. Um, but as we think about different content types that can also help uh, our, our diff- us all on our leadership journey, that'll be one of the things that we'll continue to look at. And it was, it was great and kind of really rewarding to hear, um, hear Prava's, you know, story and what, what, you know, a lot of great wisdom and insights within her, her journey. So with that, um, as we get into the content today about multipliers, the kind of first, uh, first section and concept within the book, multipliers, um, I'm always going to remind everyone that I, I'm a big believer in reflection, taking a moment to check in with ourselves, how things are going, trying to capture that and be more present in really reflecting back at both the, the peaks and the valleys of our journey and and how long or short some of them may be. So with that, we're gonna do a round table on word of the week, just how your week went. And if you can't talk for any reason, I know some folks, you know, exercise or run or listening or on the go, you know, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple seconds or a minute and kind of see if you can speak. If you can't, I'll move on, so no pressure. But I will start with Courtney, good morning. Good morning. Um, I think I'm gonna pick the word proud. My daughter wrote a college essay this week and focused on family. And it was just a really good reminder of family first and just seeing her put that in writing. It just meant a lot to me. So. Oh, that's so wonderful. And yeah, it is a good reminder. And sometimes, sometimes our kids can be the best reminders of those moments as well to, you know, shift our perspective, but sounds like definitely a proud moment. So wonderful to hear. Chad, good morning. Good morning. I'm going to go with, aha is the word because there's been several things in the last uh, week or so, especially on working on a particular uh, presentation, that that here in the new job, suddenly several different disparate things started to come together in my head. And there were so many ahas, it was fantastic. That's great to hear, I think we can all relate. And I love those moments when it all kind of clicks and comes together, it's wonderful. Melissa. Uh, this was uh, this was an extremely busy week, but we had a lot of accomplishments from my different teams. So I'm gonna go with accomplish. Uh, I think I didn't find any other adjective for that, but yeah, no, it was a really busy and accomplished. Uh, you know, a lot of accomplishments during this week. Fantastic, great to hear. Again, we can all relate to that when you have those those productive week where we feel like we accomplish a lot. Chuck, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I think tired, um, but excited. Um, so we just finished our second week, um, in our new house and there's just a ton of stuff going on, but, um, we got a long weekend and I'm excited and the weather is great. So onwards and upwards. That's great to hear. (laughs) Yay, Chuck. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. That's we can, I think we can all relate like with moving, right. It's one of those things where it's, it's incredibly tiring. It's a lot of work, but it is equally exciting. So wonderful to hear. And hopefully, yeah, that extra time will will be a benefit for a little bit of, a little bit of rest in there. uh, In addition to the the amount, I'm sure the amount of things you got to take care of with a, with a new home. Mark, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Um, I would say uh, thankful or and re-energized. I had a couple of internal speaking engagements um which kind of forced me to to refocus on things i hadn't spoken in front of people in a while so it's a good skill to 
to kind of keep exercising. So thankful for that opportunity. Congratulations. Yeah, it's always it's always reinvigorating when those things come up. It reminds me I'll have to reach out to you about some other speaking engagements to keep you keep you going, keep you practiced and, and keep you in front of the audiences. Uh, Mako, good morning. Hello. Um, I was espresso-less. That's the word of my day of the day because I my machine finally decided to die on Wednesday and I went out last night and against my better judgment, I bought a really expensive machine and we came home and we tested it out and there was a pool of water on my counter. So now I got to go and return the new espresso machine. So um, that's pretty much my, my week. Well, that's just oh man, I know that's a hard one. Uh, you know, at least hopefully you have like local coffee shops you can go to. But good luck. I think I can relate. Uh, I used my French press today, so I'm I'm doing coffee, not espresso. Yeah, I had, it's doing the job. I had to revert to the uh, to the Chemex. It was good. <laughs> Whatever you got to do to get through. Um, Rita, good morning. Hey, good morning. Uh, my past week was very refreshing. It was a birthday week away from work. So just purely refreshing. Uh, loved it. I wish I can do more of those weeks just away from work. It was like my personal offsite time also, meaning um, there were times when uh, some thoughts related to work occurred to me and it was like, oh, wow, we could do this. And it's a great idea. And I kept jotting down those in my notes. But I, I I was successfully able to not open my laptop not once during that time. So it was refreshing and it was an awesome week that I had. That's great. And did you say it was your birthday? Did I hear that correctly? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was my birthday. Well, happy <laughs> Thank birthday. <you>. <laughs> <laughs> happy birthday. Right, camera. Thank you. Uh, my word of the week um, is... Uh, well, I kind of was vacillating between connectivity, but I think it's more like synergy. I, I've had some some great conversations around leadership with leaders and also have been doing some coaching and just, just really synergizing with a lot of uh, connections with various different people and just all that comes out of that. Really enjoyable. Wonderful. And I think it's worth a shout out that you completed your coaching, right? Is that a milestone that you accomplished? Um, I actually that we should completed one, um, one part of the certification. I still have a little bit more to do, but I'm, I'm right at the end of it. So I, awesome. uh, Chuck, I'm trying to get there. I'm getting close to what, you know, at least completing this, but he was my inspiration. <laughs> Congratulations. Keep it going. All right. I will say um, I could definitely pull a lot of words that were referenced here. Um, equally, I think tired. I was traveling last week. So I'm, you know, it's always easier coming back from the East Coast than it is going to the East Coast. But I will use uh, strategic. A lot of the sessions and work that I was doing this week were really forcing a lot of conversations around strategic thinking and innovation. Um, it's, it's incredibly um, tiring work at time mentally. But uh, it was also a reminder that it's really exciting work to do, but it's equally challenging. And I think as we teach those around us uh, how to do that type of work, um, it takes a lot of work and there's no clear path. There's no easy answer. It takes a lot of figuring it out. And that means a lot of building strong relationships and having open conversations. And we did a lot of that when I was out in New York uh, this week, which is just to build the relationships to start to get to a path of what does growth mean? What are the opportunities? Um, and how do we work through the challenges that will exist, you know, regardless of the ideas that we have? So 
rewarding week, very strategic week, um, and much more to come. But I am looking forward to a, a nice weekend with a little bit of rest time to get back into it and, and now start to make uh, most of those plans and strategic ideas a reality starting next week. So with that, I'm going to jump into the topic for today. Um, as we kind of mentioned, you know, we're, we're going through and we have been going through kind of a series of conversations in our forums lately where we, we're kind of going and referencing some, some great materials. This week is kicking off Multipliers. It's by Liz Wiseman. Um, there's an actually kind of new, new version of her, her book that's out right now. Um, but it's been something that it has, has been really well reviewed across multiple people. Tamara has been a huge advocate for it as I've talked to her about it. Um, but it's something that's really about another concept. And when we think about leaders and this idea of multipliers and diminishers. And so this week, it's really talking about the multiplier effect and kicking off a conversation around what, you know, what the kind of starting point of thinking about what is a multiplier. And when you think through the lens of a leader, what does that actually mean? So in this week, we'll kind of introduce this concept and we'll talk at a high level about the mindsets of both a multiplier and a diminisher, and a little bit about how do we start to think about, you know, the the disciplines of a multiplier and how to frame them and how to kind of apply those in action. But I know we only have 45 minutes. We will end on time as we usually do to respect your time, but I'll jump in. And I think, you know, one of the things that I would, I kind of would like you all to think about as we will kind of open the floor for discussion is, you know, maybe some of your experience and maybe it hasn't been labeled to you as a multiplier effect or a diminisher mindset, but some of the reactions to some of the themes that you'll hear, which might be very similar to some of the things we've talked about in past uh, forums within here about leadership styles or principles, but think about where you've had a relationship to this, both as yourself or maybe leaders that you've worked with that you have had a very successful relationship with and, and really have invested in your growth uh, as an individual within their team. So. Kicking this off, um, I, I do love this quote that like actually kicks off the the chapter of the book, which is, it has been said that after meeting with the great British Prime Minister, William e Ewart, I'm not going to say that right, Gladstone, you left feeling he was the smartest person in the world. But after meeting with his rival, Benjamin Disraeli, you left thinking you were the smartest person. Um, and so that that's kind of a, you know, a funny quote. But again, when we start to think about mindsets, think about perspectives, you know, really interesting we know kind of what you can learn as you interact with with individuals. So as I kick this off, I'm going to start with really starting to talk about some examples of what a a multiplier mindset is versus what a diminisher mindset is. So when you think about a multiplier, what does that actually mean? Well, multipliers expect great things from their people. They drive them to achieve extraordinary results. They're highly results oriented leaders. They can be tough and exacting. They see a lot and they expect a lot, but they make people feel smarter and capable. And they're looking into people to find their capability and help them utilize and realize their fullest capability. They have a rich view of the intelligence of people around them and they're continuing to develop them. They have a growth mindset that's focused on intelligence and the ability to cultivate that intelligence and that growth through effort. They assume that people are smart and will figure it out. They see an organization as full of talented people who are capable of contributing at a much higher level. And they understand and leverage the talents of each individual. When faced with the opportunities or challenges, they assume there are smart people everywhere who will figure this out and get smarter in the process. They bring the right people together in an environment that liberates the best thinking, 
and then they get out of the way. They often are referenced as hardworking. They're hard to, they can be hard to work for at times, but are exhilarating and they set an intense, you know, in the similar lens of an intense physical workout that you actually feel like you might be working hard and you might be challenged, but there's the reward at the end of it, the exhausting yet feeling like you accomplished something great. They can be described as someone who gets things out of others that they didn't think they could give. People who will give their best um, and really try to avoid disappointing them, but really ultimately learn so much more about what they're capable of. So as you think about a multiplier, I know as I kind of think about this list, um, I definitely resonate with many leaders that I've worked with that have very high bars but are really much more interested in setting a high bar, not with the case of potentially setting people up for failure, but actually helping them to realize what might be possible for them and what they might be capable of. And that idea of bringing teams together and bringing smart people together and then getting out of the way and letting them succeed, letting them excel, letting them figure things out and grow along the way. And I will open it to love to hear what people think about multipliers. I'm going to cover diminishers real quick, and then I'll open it to the room. Would love reactions on how you think about what kind of you hear in multipliers and what you hear in diminishers. So the diminisher mindset is based on elitism and scarcity. They usually lack awareness, and they are much more about the idea of restrictive impacts, what that means for others. They may have inherited a style from other diminishers. It's a really important concept when we think about leadership. You know, a lot of the things that a bad leader or a bad manager may be doing was likely learned somewhere else. So it's often when we even work with individuals like that, how do we help them unlearn that if they're part of our team? They believe that really intelligent people are rare and not very common to find. They believe that people cannot figure things out without them being involved and helping them figure it out. They see intelligence as static. It doesn't change over time or circumstance. They don't think that people will ever get it, potentially. Um, they believe that they have to do all the thinking. They are a leader that tells people what to do and makes the important decisions. They jump in and take over when someone appears to be failing. And they create a, a structure and a team that is focused on subordination and dependency. So you can kind of hear as you think about this idea of multiplier, which is not only about unlocking capability, but exponentially unlocking capability. And the diminisher is much more about the complete opposite, which is reducing and constricting. So I want to open it to the floor. I would love to know any reactions. And maybe you've read this book before, but you have you know, a lot of awareness of thinking about the concept of multipliers and diminishers. But even if you don't, some things that might be resonating with you as you think about these lists and traits and what stands out and where maybe you have embodied either side of this. Because again, these are not, you know, polar opposites in the sense that, you know, there might be times where we've, we've kind of used both of these in different ways. And it's about understanding why and how. But I would love to kind of pause here for a moment and just hear reactions or thoughts or things that might be standing out to you based on your leadership experience. A bit of PTSD from not so great leaders. Uh, I was getting anxious hearing the diminishing list, to be honest with you. So, and I definitely have some traits in there that I've exhibited, but I have had some managers that have exhibited many traits at the exact same time. Um, and yeah, not a great feeling right now, but I'm going to focus on the positive side on that one. Uh, Kenny, would you compare this with a micromanager versus a macromanager where the micromanager is the one who do all the diminishers and 
they have to be on top of the team telling people what to do all the time? Uh, I don't know that I would call it so much commanding or even micromanagement. It's just uh, with the with the diminisher and as we go through the book, one of the things that we're going to talk a little bit more about even next week is about how the diminisher actually seeks out highly talented people, very, very smart people. But then once they get a hold of them, they hoard their resources and they are self-promoting. They kind of put them in a box, if you will, and, and then they utilize them in a way that self, is self-promoting. And I'm sure all of us can relate to, like Mark said, that PTSD of having worked for somebody like that. It's not so much about the micromanagement. They, they do um, control, but it's, and it can be micromanagement in some situations with some leaders, but that's not the, the, the total focus here. They just sort of marginalize them and put them aside and don't give them a lot of visibility. Yeah, and I think there's an interesting, and I agree with you, Mark, it's like going through this, you kind of see it and, and you know, part of it is, you know, as we always say, right, you know, knowing is half the battle, right? It's like starting to see these and name these traits and say, okay, what's happening there and to what Chandler was just hitting on even of like, you know, kind of what the behavior looks like and how it shows up and, and starting to name, oh, I've seen that happen before. This is what's actually going on. But as leaders, it can it can sometimes actually, you know, you listen to that multiplier list and it sounds like, oh, well, that's common sense. Absolutely. We should all just be doing that, right? But, you know, as you talked about even leadership styles, there's, it can be very challenging to completely kind of embody all of that. You know, sometimes it takes a lot of risk or it takes us stepping back. It takes us truly embracing failure. People are going to make mistakes, right? When we try to grow talent and invest in them and that idea of bring the smart people together and then let them go and figure it out, you know, they're going to make mistakes along the way, right? But the opportunity on the other side is still greater, which is that, again, what are they capable of? But what we can, what can we unlock in their potential if we give them that opportunity, but it does take us being aware of it and pushing through the resistance that might say the safe course feels like doing some of this diminisher, you know, traits, some of this, some of these things where I'll just make the decision and, uh, and I'll just, you know, make sure the team knows where they're going and I'll just kind of help being very involved in that. That's great. We might have a lot of success, but that's not going to nurture a team to be um, rising to the, the ability that they might be able to operate at or helping our teams unlock and realize what they are truly capable of, even as individuals. And as I kind of move us into, you know, some of the additional kind of traits and the ways that you can shorthand and think about some of this, and we'll go into the disciplines here at the multiplier is when you think about like this, how would you moment and kind of shorthanding some of the key words here, you know, how would a diminisher manage talent? Well, they would use the talent, but a multiplier would develop the talent. How do you figure this out, right? How would a diminisher approach mistakes? They might blame, right? A multiplier might explore what happened and why. How do we address, how do we figure this out, right? How would a diminisher set direction? They might tell. A multiplier might challenge. How would they make decisions, right? The diminisher would just decide but a multiplier might consult and how might they get things done? A diminisher might control, whereas the multiplier might support. So as we start to go into some of these concepts, when you think about the key five principles of a multiplier, the multiplier first is about attracting and optimizing talent. So when you think about a multiplier, they, and, and Tamara started to hit on this, and we'll go into this a lot more next week, which is they really are about they kind of become talent magnets because they are about attracting and deploying talent to its fullest. 
regardless of where that resource or person may sit in an organization. That's a really important concepts here, right? Whereas the diminishers are going to be much more focused on empire builders about controlling and how do they capture talent as Tamara was hitting on and then figuring out, you know, how do they divide people up? They might create silos. I have a lot of experience. Many of us might have a lot of experience in that PTSD of like, oh, I, that's what that looks like, right? It's not about the, where the multipliers are focused on. It's about the talent and getting the best out of everyone, no matter what that looks like organizationally, where the administrators are much more interested in who owns, who's in control, and who has the authority. The other concept here is create intensity that requires the best thinking. So multipliers focus on establishing these unique and highly motivating environments where everyone has permission to think in a, in, and be challenged and to do their best work in that space. They operate as liberators. They really create a climate that can be both, both safe, but also comfortable and invites people to do their best thinking, right? A diminisher might be somebody who falls a little bit more into that, uh, a tyrant, they might induce a lot more fear or judgment, right? And you can see how that starts to really constrain thinking. They want and demand people's best thinking, but they're not going to get it in an environment that is about control and judgment where it's not safe to speak up. And this would be the epitome of there are stupid questions and there are stupid ideas, right? So you think about what is the environment that's going to foster the best thinking and unlock the best potential. And that's where multipliers are leaning into that and fostering that very connected to talent magnet, right? Talent wants to be, teams want to be a part of an environment that's going to allow them to do their best thinking and welcome their best thinking. The multiplier is going to also have a discipline of extend challenges, right? They're going to extend, they're going to be the disruptors, the challengers. They're going to see opportunities. They're going to lay down a challenge that stretches an organization and they're going to believe that it is possible to get it done. And this is where it's about bringing people together challenging them to do what may seem impossible and and give them the space to figure that out, right? The diminishers may operate as the know-it-alls. They're going to give all the direction and they're going to showcase their knowledge, right? And this, again, can be an opportunity where I talked about even my word of the week. You know, strategic thinking and innovation is very hard. It's not easy. There's no, there's no clear one path or one direction, but it requires that you really think about challenging thinking in a different way. And that's not an easy thing to do, but it's about fostering, again, those environments that help support, give talent this opportunity to really own the space and step into the space and then allow them to really step into these opportunities and embrace what is possible without stifling that and holding it back by saying, actually, I know the answer. So let me tell you where we're going to go. Four, debate decisions. So multipliers make decisions that really ready the, the organization to execute, right? But they're going to actually be debate makers. They engage people in debates. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's challenge thinking. Let's challenge each other. Let's lead to decisions that people understand and can execute on. But it is about a dialogue as well, very much extended to the, the previous three concepts. The dis diminishers, as you probably won't be surprised, operate as the decision makers. They're the ones that tend to make the decision efficiently and they do it in a smaller circle and they leave the broader organization in the, dark, the, in the dark and they don't welcome a debate. They don't welcome other opinions. And instead it's about, about making a decision and telling people to go execute against it. The last one is instilling ownership. And I think this is such a, an important concept that builds on all the previous four. 
if you think about the, the, the idea of ownership, multipliers really deliver and sustain superior results by setting really high expectations. They enable people to be successful by dedicating the, the necessary resources and skill sets to enable that success. And they hold people accountable to commitments. But it is about giving people that autonomy and that respect and that accountability with high standards and letting them feel empowered and own that, that role that they're going to play. Whereas a diminisher, this is back to you, know, Melissa, your point, they can definitely err into the space of micromanagers. They want to drive results, but they still want to hold on to the ownership and they want to jump in and manage the, the details directly. And I think we've all seen, again, there's inherent risk when we as leaders have to let go and empower our teams and let them feel and know that ownership and get in the space to figure it out, there's an inherent risk that failure is going to happen, but growth comes from that failure. And we have to challenge ourselves to not err into the space of a diminisher where we want to step in and intervene instead of helping to support finding those, those solutions to challenges or, or things that are going on that might err towards a failure or a learning opportunity instead really help people see that they can get there and support those conversations, support the solutions instead of jumping in and taking over. So I'm going to pause. I said a lot there. I would love to know again, like some of the reactions to some of the things that you've heard and, and some of these things that might either be surprises to you or things that again, make a lot of sense and resonate both with what you've embodied as a leader um, or what you've seen, you know, both on a diminisher side or a multiplier with leaders around you. I'll just kind of jump in there a little bit as well. And like I say, in the coming weeks, there's going to be some great dialogue about this. But I think the one thing that that I've learned a lot so far about the multiplier, too, is it's, as you said, Kelly, very strategic is, you know, it's not just about like, you know, empowering the team to be part of decision making and, you know, and 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 working together and 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 cultivating this wonderful space, which is so, so very important. But the, the, the really key thing in here is that this multiplier, the multiplier uh, mindset is, is very strategic in how they, uh, how they assess people and how they ferret out what the, per what these people are really, really good at. And they hire very, very smart and very, very talented people. But then what they do is they assess way beyond the surface, really deeply assess people to see where their strengths, where their real true talents are. And then they strategically place them in, 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 in roles or in situations or on task force or whatever, so that they really can actually, um, fully tap into their, to all their potential. And that's what really creates this, 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 uh, this, uh, what am I trying to say, Kelly here? I don't know the synergy of, of the team and of the people that work under them. And ultimately by doing this over time, and you may have experienced this, I'd be curious to hear what people say about it, but you know, you think of that person that uh, you would say, if you go somewhere, I'm going with you. I'm following you because they want to work for that person. They, they, this leader inspires them. And what ends up happening over time is it penetrates the entire organization. And the organization becomes the place where people flock to. They want to work 
in that organization. If you know you have enough of the multiplier mindset there, people feel they're contributing. People get a lot of reward, even though they're working really, really hard. They feel uh, they they feel a sense of accomplishment. They feel a sense of larger contribution, and I think that's the piece that I am really taking away from this. And we've done a lot of work over the last you know months talking about who we are as leaders and and digging into what our values are and how we want to show up and how we want to impact uh, others around us and our teams and leaders above us and below us and. Uh, so now, you know, as we continue it, that a continuous investment in ourselves and others, as we raise that awareness, both in ourselves and others, this is where we start to get more sophisticated as a leader and start to look at things in a much different way. And that's why I'm so excited that we're talking about this content, because it's, it's very it's it's so much um, more, as I said, elevated uh, from a leadership perspective. Those are my thoughts. I will say that uh, I found myself very much, and maybe other folks were doing this too, but like uh, as as each of these was kind of polar opposites were being talked about as, as, as styles, I was like putting all these leaders that I've interacted with over time in like a continuum of like, you're very much over here. You are more in the middle. You, you are a problem person. And, and uh, it's just very interesting to kind of reflect on kind of how we can learn from each side of that. Yeah, that's exactly it. You know, it's like this idea of starting to what I always call like kind of name it, right? Because we see these things in practice and we kind of just figure them out in real time. And and the more that we kind of, you know, find the tools to be able to identify well, what's actually going on there and what is the behavior, what is the driver? And even going back to leadership styles that we spent a lot of time on, right? Is like, you know, how do we start to kind of connect these together? Tamara, did you want to add something? Uh oh, I think we lost her. So hopefully she'll be back in a minute. Um, I'm going to go into the, the, there's like a couple of like the tale of two managers is included in this, in this section. And I think it's, it's building on what we've just, we've just hit on, obviously a little bit of what you were just saying, Chad, on this idea that as we think about, um, there's two examples of looking at what this looks like in practice. And I, I know that I found this a little surprising and, and obviously it's, it's hitting in, in a way that requires us to think about it, right? So I'm going to kind of read the tale of two managers. It's not very short, but if we if we think about manager number one, this is the Midas touch is what it's called. So you probably can guess which one this is going to be uh, referencing. So let's say it's George and George has a reputation of running a successful business. It's profitable and it's really grown under his leadership. What distinguished him most was the impact he had at a, as a leader. He made others feel smart, valued, and successful. He spent time getting to know, um, getting to know others on a deep level. Um, okay, sorry, I'm gonna have to pause for a second. Uh, okay, Tamara's coming back in, but I don't see her yet. So we're gonna have a little tech, tech challenges, but I'll go back and forth. Um, so George is, uh, he spends get time getting to know others on a deep level. He, uh, others feel valued being part of his team and it's a highlight of their career. George grew others' intelligence by engaging it, welcoming their ideas and their thoughts. He's focused on extracting the smarts and the maximum value of each team member and locking it. 
And in meetings, he actually maybe only spoke about 10% of the time, mostly giving context and maybe, you know, answering a problem question or helping people understand, you know, what was going on and, and how they might be able to solve a problem. Now, if we go into manager two, this is, which I love the header of it, the idea killer. So this is John. So sorry if you know, we got have John out there. Uh, John was a brilliant scientist. He is somebody who was promoted into management to really um, help now run a plant. And he is somebody who is highly intelligent. He is somebody who in every measure has left his mark on everyone else around him. Highly knowledgeable, uh, definitely an expert. And he is somebody that really hires intelligent people, but doesn't always give them the permission to think for themselves. He sometimes shut down ideas and maybe can limit engagement. In meetings, he may speak more than 30% of the time and leaves a little, little space for others to chime in or talk. He has a strong opinion and might give a lot of feedback and he might be giving a lot of feedback related to what he might see as bad ideas. He makes the decisions, all the decisions, and puts his energy into selling his ideas over others, attempting to convince them to execute his ideas. He has a higher turnover rate, and he has rarely seen his team contribute or achieve 50% of what they might be capable of. So again, these are polarizing in a lot of ways, but it's one of those things where as you think about um, you know, the idea of what this looks like in practice, how do we kind of start to name that even in practice of thinking about how we might show up in conversations or discussions, how we might be engaging with our teams in practice. But also what I found was super fascinating about these two stories is the John example. I mean, how many times have we seen someone who is incredibly smart and incredibly capable, and maybe they're an expert in what they do and they get promoted or they get placed in a leadership position and how they show up is very different and maybe they don't have the tools to show up as a leader in that way they might be relying on what always what always was really you know their success in the past which was much more about their own expertise so understanding where people's journeys may have led them and why they operate in the way that they do i'll pause there welcome back tamra um but any any reactions or thoughts or surprises that you kind of stood out to you maybe in these two examples of two leaders that might embody these multipliers or diminishers. So Kelly, um, another question. So um, I'm pretty sure everybody here has had managers like that. So, so if, if, if I have a manager like that, I mean, what is the best thing somebody, uh, a direct report can do to talk to that person? Because what I have seen before is that managers like that, they have VP and directors who have a different uh, idea about how they manage people but there is no way to make them change. So, so if you have somebody like that, I mean, what, what, what can we do? Uh, well, my first thoughts around that, I'll just, just jump in there, is that, I mean, there's, I, I want to hear other people's ideas, and I'm not going to directly answer the question, but I would say that it's always important to remember that you only have control over yourself. You may be able to influence somebody, depending on the relationship and depending how, on how open they are 
to dialoguing about it. You know, a, a lot of times these leaders aren't even aware of, of what they're doing. They're just mindlessly and thoughtlessly making decisions and, and they're behaving maybe the way they were trained to behave or whatever. So the first thing I would say is maybe try to have a conversation, but you, but you know, the, the person has, or the leader has to be open to that. But the other thing I would say, and I, I'm sorry, I kind of got knocked off there for a few minutes, but um, I wanted to say too, that I think it's really important to also point out that by being aware of whether you're working for a diminisher or a multiplier, especially under a diminisher, a lot of people will sit and wait and hope that things are going to change. And uh, this is, you know, and you're going to learn more over the, over the weeks to come that, you know, diminishers can be career killers. And it's important that, you know, we as leaders who are investing in ourselves is that we don't sit too long, uh, especially if it's something where you don't see progression happening. Um, you know, it, 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 the sitting and waiting and hoping is, is a, um, it's, it's a, what am I trying to say? It's, it's just not a, a great value proposition for you. And to recognize that, you know, try, like you said, you know, um, Amrita is, is maybe trying to have a conversation or seeing if you're able to move things, but um, by sitting there and waiting, it could just be uh, compromising your career. So I'm going to open up for her question to others. What are others' thoughts about that? I would say it also depends on the level of the leader that might be in question. Um, the higher up you go, the trickier it is to navigate that feedback. If it's um, you know manager, senior manager, you know possibly director, they're or a number of peers that could possibly in, help influence, but it's about being able to provide feedback, the right kind of feedback, constructive feedback at the right level. And, and you know, as Tamara pointed out, not everybody may be receptive to it. Um, but yeah, definitely trickier the higher up it goes, uh, for sure. I've I've had situations where I've gotten even HR involved to provide some feedback to senior leadership, so that way it's it's appropriately given um, or, or ignored, right? And, you know, it's, again, the higher up you go and you're the leader of the organization, you may want to run the organization a specific way. And, and maybe I've had to also, you know, look at myself and say, am I, am I the right fit for this type of organization the way that it wants to be run? So there's um, a lot of different things to think about depending on the type of feedback that's, that's being given. Of course, if it's something that is, you know, can be uh, interpreted as abusive or incredibly negative in any way, that should definitely be reported to HR and, and let them uh, kind of manage that. But, um, you know, there are there's style, if you will, that um, and some leeway that's given for style and that style may be uh, you might need to provide some constructive feedback for that. So those are the things that I would try to navigate a little bit more closely. Yeah, I think that's that both great points. And thank you, Melissa. That was a great question. Um, and I, and again, I think to Tamara's point, we'll get much deeper into, you know, some of the the principles and, and continue to challenge a lot of that. And I, I would echo both what, what Mark and Tamara said. Um, but I, I think that the, one of the biggest things is, is it's always a two-way path here, which is, you know, we as leaders are always growing and we are always learning and we always have the opportunity to, to kind of think about you know, not only who we want to be as leaders, what we aspire to be as leaders and what we want to embody, but who do we want to work for? Because that is something that, you know, as we think about our career trajectory, who is going to help us grow and who is going to, you know, help foster our development. And even what Mark just said, like from a fit of organization, we always talk about interviewing, right? When we're interviewing or evaluating roles, 
is it's very easy to just look at the role, look at the title, uh, look at the, you know, look at the kind of baseline pieces of it without really digging into what does it mean to be a part of this organization? And will it actually serve my, my career goals? Will it serve me as a leader? Will it help me grow? And these all feed into us understanding that more. But also the other side of this is what Tamara hit on, which is that we, each of us are leaders and each of us can show up in certain ways as leaders. And even though there might be things happening above us that we're trying to navigate that can be complex, what do we do for our team directly, right? The team that's both maybe directly within within your kind of team or the team that you influence, you know, that are across other teams that you work with. And how can you embody the things that you want to see? And so as you think about the multiplier, maybe your direct leader leans much more towards the diminisher and you're thinking, okay, red flags here. There might be some, you know, ways to navigate that as was shared, but also look at how you're showing up and where you have opportunities to embody the things that you want to see in the multiplier effect and start to show up with your team in that way and foster that environment because you're going to benefit that team even as you're navigating what might be happening above you. So there's a lot of kind of, you know, again, nuance here. And again, most of these things are not easy slam dunks, but the more that we understand what's happening around us, then we can choose, you know, to even Tamara's point, kind of how we show up and the things that are in our control. And often that's how we show up, what we do with our own teams and kind of the choices that we make going forward. So as we get into the last, hey, oh, go for Kelly, it, yeah, I'm going to throw a turd into the punch ball here and be a little controversial. Um, you know, I, I think it's all interesting and whatnot, but you know, there are situations that you get into being a leader where, you know, I don't know, let's say like you inherit a, a team that isn't very effective or, you know, hasn't done the right things. And then they start fighting on like, well, that's not the way we used to do things. And we don't like, I think there's actually times where it kind of flips around a little bit. And, you know, no matter how hard you try as a leader, there's sometimes where, you know, there are just people who don't want to learn or don't want to change. And they, they do things a certain way. And, you know, I, I do think as, as a leader, you need to, you need to make the necessary changes to, to, you know, get yourself to a functional place. And, you know, it is, it isn't always just like, well, you know, oh, I can be a better, you know, uh, opportunist with the team or I can teach them. Some people just don't want to learn. And I think that's, you know, yeah, I, th I think you just have to accept that as a fact, but, you know, you do experience that, you know, at, at, especially higher up you go in an organization. Yeah. No, it's absolutely true. I 100% agree. And it's very related. If you think about when we went through, uh, you know, kind of the five most common leadership styles, right? It's like some of those leadership styles sound terrible. And it's like, I would never want to do that. But there is a time and a place where you might have to embody certain aspects of each leadership style. And, and even, you know, kind of reading the book, which was, it was, you know, great and kind of looking at one of the lines that that was great was the author kind of says, I want to, I wish to emphasize there is a continuum between multipliers and diminishers. And so it's, there's really just a small number of people that are in the either extreme, but often we are moving in between. But I think it is about, you know, to your point, Mako, like acknowledging that all of these things are fluid. And as we think about what we aspire to be as leaders and how we want to show up, you know, there's going to be times where we have to enact a micromanagement aspect at times, right? But but if we think about where we want to go and where our team is and how we get there, we're going to have to pull from multiple different tools out of our toolbox to figure out what is needed right now. And that's and this is just kind of one more lens to really evaluate it. But it's an important reminder that it's not always going to be that you're going to have a, you know, a high functioning team that's capable of day one being able to unlock all the potential that we're talking about here or throw them out a challenge and let them go. That's going to take some time and it'll take some investment and some development. And not everyone might be ready 
you know, for that journey immediately. Yeah. And, and the one thing I'll add to that, Kelly, and it might be a topic for, you know, future discussion is what happens when you inherit a team, right? There's difference, differences in leadership when you're inheriting, uh, when you're building, um, whether you need to be in sustainment mode and, you know, you may need to employ different leadership styles or different objectives in, in order to address a lot of these different things that we've been talking about for weeks. And, um, you know, and, and I think depending on what side of the line you are, sometimes we play leaders, sometimes we are those individual contributors, uh, all in the same role, right? And, you know, the self-awareness is super important and being transparent is super important. Um, but yeah, that definitely worth maybe a future topic in, in how we address, you know, those different circumstances. Yeah. yeah. And I just wanted, I just wanted to dovetail as well onto that. And I, and I appreciated Kelly that you went back to leadership styles and Mako, I really appreciate that you brought that up because I think, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact we're going to have to still be flexing in and out of different leadership styles. And depending on what situation we're in a new team or, you know, that, and, and again, as the, as the weeks go on, you're going to learn a lot more about, um, you know, those blockers or the, you know, when your team isn't really performing at the level they, they need to, or you have even people that are very, very smart and talented, you know, what do you do in that situation? But I wanted to add one more thing here, which is that uh, from when you think about a diminisher or a multiplier, I think, again, going back to our previous discussions is, it, you know, in terms of our own growth and our own leadership journey, you know, it's about what we expose ourselves to that's going to help us grow. It's, it's our, you know, our, our personal board of directors. It's, you know, our, the, you know, our, our broader network. It's who do we hang out with? You know, who are we spending time talking with? You know, how are we um, fostering our own growth and whatnot? And so when you're thinking about, you know, these situations, uh, again, going beyond, let's just say we're working with a, with a you know, as a, well, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to say as a leader, you know, it's again, I think it comes down to fundamentally how you want to be. Number one, values-based leadership, but then also whether you're flexing in and out of, of leadership styles, what do you fundamentally, foundationally, and really strategically want to, how do you want to show up as leader? And I think that's where the multiplier versus diminisher idea gets kind of exciting. Yeah, I think, um, and just maybe digging into it, I think, Mako had some great feedback there. And then you're talking about some of the different leadership styles. I think that situation Mako described when, if you think about the difference between a diminisher and a multiplier, they're going to look at that situation probably completely differently, you know, and, you know, uh, a multiplier is going to look at it about how, okay, well, how am I going to, you know, work with this team, right? From a coaching and feedback perspective to get them to the place where I want them to be, you know, from a, a behavior and cultural perspective and what kind of, st how am I going to, yeah, how am I going to sort of bring in some of these different methodologies to do that? Um, whereas the diminisher is probably going to, they're just going to be looking at, at it from a results perspective. You know, I think, you know, um, either Kelly or, or Tamara, you've mentioned, you know, how they may bring in like someone who they think is going to be hyper productive, um, just work on the results. They're not going to care about the team in general. Um, they're just going to try to figure out how to get, you know, stuff done. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, I think at the, the core, and I think it's, again, this is all where this is the nuance of leadership, you know, it's highly complex. 
is, you know, I think as you were hitting on Chuck is the multiplier looks at a team and believes that everyone is highly capable and they're probably capable of more. And how do we unlock that now? You know, well, again, but you I'll, ta- I'll, ta- I'll challenge that Kelly. Kelly, I'll challenge that. Like there are some people out there that work for you in organizations that don't want to unlock. I think that's a, just an important thing to understand. Everybody, maybe it's not unlocking doing what you're doing and where you're doing it and the thing that you're working on. And yeah, maybe they, that you can unlock them if they're in a completely different area. I'm just challenging it. There, there's some time and, you know, to some organizations, when you come in and you're, you're sort of given a job to do a certain thing or change things in a certain way, the way, you know, you might have to show up as a leader is just different. It's not all just like, you know, uh, you know, making everyone around you smarter, maybe making the part about making them smarter is making them realize that like this organization or that organization is is not the place to, to be at. Like, if you want to just do the thing you've always been doing, like go someplace else like that. You know, it's just, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that's part of it. Right. I think it's and I think it is about still regardless coming into a team. And I think it is about setting that bar and setting that tone to say, I do believe that everyone's capable of this. And so you can either rise to the occasion and be a part of this team. But if you're not interested in in doing the work and being a part of a team that's going to you know, embody a certain culture that is about we're all capable of greatness and we're all capable of more. If you don't if you're not on board with that, that's OK. And we have to see that and have those conversations. But it's about what tone we set as leaders about what culture we are fostering and what success looks like on our team versus I'm not going to just you know, tell you what to do and manage you directly and let you kind of sit there and coast along, right? If we think about the extremes of this, right? And I think that's the hard part of leadership as well. What you're hitting on, Mako, is very real. And everyone, if you haven't experienced it, will experience it. So it's a matter of, do you do you kind of address it and deal with it head on or do you ignore it, right? Which is can ultimately become very detrimental to the broader team that you have, where you might have, you know, really highly capable, very smart people that you can unlock and invest in and you don't want them held back because we're not looking at maybe some of the folks that may not be interested in being on that journey and are not interested or ready in that moment in their life, and their career for many reasons to do that work. So, yeah. And I, I think that's all okay. I think that's, and that's the thing is all I'm trying to get to. It's like, it's actually okay. Like if, if they're not ready to go, move on, yeah, it doesn't make you a failure as a, a leader. It's just like, you got to accept that some people are just, that's just the way it is. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. Exactly. Just- yeah. yeah. And I was just going to say, Kelly, going back to what we, what we talked about, I, I just love that in Mako. You're absolutely right. I couldn't agree. I, I agree a hundred percent, but going back to instilling ownership, I think what's really important to go back and revisit this is the multipliers really deliver and sustain superior results. They hold people accountable for their commitments. So they're, they're, they're very exacting. They're very strategic. And to your point, if somebody doesn't perform, they're gonna, they are going to remove that person, no matter how smart they are. And you'll learn this in the end in our upcoming conversations. Because to your point, there, there are, there's always, as we refer to, dead wood. There's always, you know, we come across that throughout our leadership journey where there's dead wood, and and you almost really have to be quite swift about that because it because it you know it may hold back the team or hold back the ability to accomplish what we want to accomplish well i think we always talk about actions over words right you know and i, I think that's the thing it's like when you when you're trying to transform you know how to make everyone smarter if you you know if you're getting back to the theme here you know you bring in people that uphold a different level 
right? That, 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 that show they can action on things. And you're, I think you as a leader, you're saying, this is the type of bar I am setting in what we're doing, how we're doing things. And like, you'll naturally see people shift to the top and the bottom. Then. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, you know, and it takes time. It's not saying something that happens, you know, a month or two, but you know, and you want to give people an opportunity to, to level up. I, I guess, I guess for me, it's just, it's never black and white, you know, it's never that easy. And you gotta, you gotta, you gotta read the room, pivot and adjust and, mm-hmm. you know, figure, figure out how to, how to adapt. So, and I think it's yeah. great. You're bringing this up. I, I love that you threw this out there that, you know, like you said, the turd in the, in the punch bowl, because this is how we learn by talking about these things because everybody has different experiences. Everybody's on a different level and we need to like, this is what we really hope is to have these kinds of challenge us, challenge what we're talking about. Let's talk about it as leaders. So thanks for, for throwing that turd in the end. Of punch well, Ke- Ke- Kelly, Kelly knows I'm a turd thrower. So <laughs> that's right. It was, it's so <laughs> perfect, you want that label, so thank you for doing that. <laughs> Mako, thank you for bringing that topic up also, because I, I feel that I inherited a team that you described like exactly like that. Uh, and then for me, I think I had to, like I did identify some some people who were like that, exactly like that, not ready to learn. They were productive in certain ways, but not 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 as productive as the team would need them to be. So they were stuck. They were not willing to learn. They were not you know, willing to adjust or partner with other team members. And I think at that time, for me, I think I I was in a multiplier mode for a while, only to be sure, 100% sure that they are not willing to learn. I think that, that for me, it took a long time um, to just be sure because I had that first impression. But I think my challenge was how can I be a hundred percent sure before I make those adjustments in the team? Um, I, I would just say just really quick as on that, like, like I said, I think the most effective way to do that is you set a bar, right? You action and you, you demonstrate that bar, you bring in others that would that set that bar. And if you see other people in the team that, you know, I mean, we've all been involved, say, for example, in like review cycles. And how many times have you gone into a review cycle where you have a certain bar, what you expect, and then you meet with your colleagues and like everyone's awesome on their team. And you know, that's not the truth, right? You know, it's like you almost got to set certain bars, certain levels. Um, You know, I'll give you a funny example that I was just dealing with, uh, you know, multiple months ago, just really quick. Is like they were shipping code out like on like Friday nights. And then they ended up like something didn't work, like guess what they're doing all weekend? And I, I just set out like, you know, very simple. We're not shipping code anymore on Fridays. And like, you know, the particular team I was working with, they, they just couldn't even grasp the concept of why wouldn't you ship on a Friday night? You know, and it's just, it's just really wild and it's complicated. And again, I'm not trying to torpedo my own team in some instances, but it's just like, wow. I mean, it's, it's, it's a messy, complicated, never easy thing that you gotta, you gotta deal with all this. So I don't know. Yeah, no need, great points and great I need more points. coffee. I need I definitely need more coffee. <laughs> it was no, it was good. Yeah, I think I appreciate again this is like to Tamara's point. This is exactly you have a dialogue. We talk about these concepts, but it's about, you know, application in 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 real life, in reality, what these things look like and the challenges that you'll have and how you navigate it. Um, you know, both from the example of a team that you might inherit 
Um, great, I agree with Mark. Great concept for us to kind of dig into in the as a future topic here, as well as you know what Melissa brought up when you're when you're now working for someone who might be a diminisher, and what that means and how you, how that impacts you and how do you navigate that. So fantastic dialogue as promised. We always want to be very cognizant of time because this is your Saturday and we appreciate that you take an hour with us. Um, we will do a recap. This has been a fantastic dialogue. We will continue next week where we're really gonna dig into the idea of talent management. So it feels very related to, to this naturally as a segue into next week, but I'll pass it over to Tamara to close this out with a quote. Great. Um, so our quote uh, to, co to close this whole wonderful, fantastic uh, discussion is when I let go of what I am, I can become what I might be by Lao Tzu. And uh, again, thank you everyone for taking time out of your Saturday to be here. This was a fantastic discussion. Go out and lead with courage and confidence. And we'll see you back next week, Saturday at 930 Pacific Standard Time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.